0: Green and Gold Forever. I'm Eric Drews, broadcasting from Oshkosh, Wisconsin, and we'll be joined shortly here by Matt McLean out in Altoona. And boy, about twenty-six hours ago, I was not expecting to hear back in the high life again. But the Green Bay Packers somehow, someway, were able to defeat the Detroit Lions in a thriller at Lambeau Field thirty to twenty, and it will be a game that'll go down Uh, in the annals of Packers history for a variety of reasons. Uh, One, of course, being that the Packers are now the two-seed in the NFC playoffs, and uh, we'll be looking to wait a week, and they're now just two wins away from the Super Bowl, as uh, hard as that is to believe uh, after some of the things we've seen in recent years. So, Matt... uh, I don't even know where to begin to talk about this game um, outside of uh, probably Aaron Rodgers would be the actual best place to start. What were your thoughts? I know I shared mine with you and with the whole world on Twitter. I was pretty worried about it. What were your thoughts when he went down?
1: Well, the good thing is we knew it was kind of a calf thing. So I I guess worst-case scenario, something like that, it's a pull. I mean, it's something you can kind of play through. Obviously, he was limited, but you were thinking that it wasn't something too serious, but at the same point, I mean, it's definitely something that could have held him out of a game next week. So that was the most concerning thing. And, mm-hmm. um, I mean, obviously you're, you're just afraid of the worst. But it's always possible something could have happened with the knee or, or whatever there too. So it was definitely really scary after you saw him throw it on the initial play when you saw it happen because you could see him go down after the touchdown mm-hmm. um, and, and everybody rushed to him. But luckily <laughs> it was not as bad as it may have looked on that.
0: Yeah, and I'll... Share my thoughts here. Uh, I was, I was furious. I was devastated because, yeah, I knew it was the calf. But the big thing was, if he was out the rest of the game, I didn't think Flynn would be able to win. Flynn's a nice player. He's uh, been a a great band-aid for this team over the years. But he's only been effective when he's been able to be the starter. Um, very, almost every time he's come in, even in mop-up duty, he's been awful when he has to come when he's not expecting to play. Yeah. And so I thought, this is over. And if Aaron Rodgers had to be carted off, you know, sometimes that's when your knowledge of history goes against you. I don't remember the last time I saw a quarterback carted off and miss one series. (laughs) So I thought, he's carted off. This Not only is this game over, but after everything we've seen this year, Matt Flynn is going to start in the playoff game. And here's another season of this great, great quarterback that is going down the tubes from some kind of weird fluke injury that has occurred in just the regular basic mechanics of football. And I was furious at the football gods. I just, it, it, and it was the thing that we had never seen with Favre. And so for Rodgers to get carted off the field, Miss one series and come back in and be better than he was before he got injured. Yeah, that leaves me speechless. I don't even know how to describe that. Absolutely amazing.
1: Yeah, I mean, in regards to Flynn, there was about five minutes where I had this confidence where they had the fourteen point lead and I was like, you know what, the defense is playing so well, even if they just run it the rest of the game, I think they'll be okay. Until about you know ten minutes after the injury, when the Lions start scoring all of a sudden out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. Um, they get right back into the game. And then at that point, I'm like, yeah, if Rodgers doesn't come back in their they're toes because Flynn can't do much. Um, but, yeah, for Rodgers to come back in like that – you know, for him to get carted off like that, maybe it was a little dramatic, but... yeah. Um,
0: but why waste, to, you know, the energy to, on an injured calf when it's halftime anyways? I'm sure he wasn't trying to be dramatic, it was just probably... Yeah, the it wasn't his rate. idea, I'm yeah. sure, I'm not blaming
1: him. Yeah, But, yeah, <laughs> yeah I mean, to come back like that, it, it's so crazy. I mean, we've never really seen anything like that with one of our teams where your star gets knocked out. It's, it's like a movie type of a scenario. He mm-hmm. comes back in, plays lights out, throws a touchdown right away. And, um, just incredible. So, it, it's a great storyline, and They obviously showed the replay of the whole series about 100 times in the second half (laughs) yesterday when he came back and they were going to win. So really amazing, and it's going to make for a great America's game if they can somehow win a Super
0: Bowl. (laughs) Now they have to, don't they, with all the stories (laughs) they've had this year? Uh, You mentioned how they showed him getting carted off. The first couple of times they did it, I wasn't sure if that was real time or not. My first instinct when they showed the replay after he'd thrown the touchdown and they showed him getting carted off again, I don't know if it was in or out of a break, I'm like, oh no! I'm like, is he not feeling good again? Is he got to go back to the locker? <laughs> and no, it was them just teasing us with that. But um, yeah, if we want to open up the MVP discussion right away, I mm-hmm. think the way the Lions played helps Aaron Rodgers' MVP candidacy tremendously because... They were fearless as soon as Aaron Rodgers went down. They were able to move the ball down the field, and much like last year, our defense isn't very good when they don't have Aaron Rodgers to protect them, for lack of a better way to describe it. The Lions were like, oh, my gosh, here's our chance. They're punchless. They can't do anything. It's almost like uh, in boxing when you know the other guy has broken his hand. I mean, if I can stay away from him for a while, I'll have open flurries on him, and I can just take him down. And in this case, our uh, hand was like, oh, no, it's not broken. I just had a cramp, so now I'm going to come <laughs> back and knock you out.
1: Yeah, yeah, uh, just crazy. I, I think it was big for his MB, MVP candidacy, and I think he'll win it now. I think JJ Watt obviously made a huge case for himself yesterday for those people who maybe want to see a defensive player win it, but mm-hmm. um, I think if it's gonna be a quarterback, it has to be him. Before the game, I might have said, like you were saying, I think Romo might have it at this point. Yeah. But I think with, with what Rodgers did at the end of the game, I think it's either him or Watt at this point.
0: Yeah, and as much as I like J.J. Watt and he's made a difference on that Houston team, there's still a bottom half defense, and Justin Houston was a fingertip away from breaking Strahan's yeah. single season record. So how? I mean, I don't think it's even that big of a slam dunk that J.J. Uh, Watt. I, I mean, it, he's going to win Defensive Player of the Year, but it's it's not like he was. It, it, Try to portray this, that he was so much better than every other defensive player in the NFL. When there's a guy who's got 22 sacks, it's hard for me to buy that argument either. Sure. I I think there are
1: a lot of voters, though, too, that it's kind of the thing like we've seen with LeBron James in the NBA where they're kind of sick of seeing the same guy win it. They're sick of seeing a quarterback win it year after year. It's the same thing, basically, and this is their chance to give it to, you know, a Derrick Rose, basically, just somebody who's a little bit different. So I I agree. I know what you're saying with Houston, but I think Watt, I mean, with the three touchdown catches, he scored a bunch of defensive touchdowns had a bunch of safeties. I mean, he's just so well-rounded. I think he leads his position in tackles, too. It's just... It's kind of crazy, and I think he gets talked about plenty, but at the I mean people are talking about him being better than Reggie White's prime at this point, which yeah. is crazy to think, but I mean if you look just at what he's doing, it, it might not be really that outlandish to think that
0: yeah i i I mean he's definitely in the argument, although when I was researching Justin Houston and how far he was, Reggie White had twenty one sacks in twelve games in nineteen eighty seven so mm-hmm. uh, that should count for something, and I don't buy this whole argument. I mean, I know people are saying it, so it's clearly an argument people are, are having, but I don't think it's true that they're tired of voting for a quarterback because they've given Peyton Manning the award five times when I don't yeah. think he was that. I mean, last year he was, but in 2012, Aaron Rodgers had 39 touchdowns and eight picks for a team that had Alex Green as its starting running back. Uh So, you know, why don't you get tired of giving it to a quarterback when you're giving it to Peyton Manning for just not being bad? I mean, true. I yeah. don't know. Um, I,
1: I just think in years past, I mean, normally I think Rodgers would be running away with this thing right now, but it's just, I mean, just the just the insane year that J.J. Watt had is the only reason he's in the discussion. I think normally Rodgers, even though DeMarco Murray and Tony Romo and all these guys, Antonio Brown had in, in just insane seasons. Yeah, they're still not a quarter, you know, well, Romo is, but yeah. they're not the same kind of playmaker that Rodgers is. Where This is just something so different. I think that's what makes it a little bit different than usual.
0: Yeah, and if you're talking, you know, MVP, I think Antonio Brown... Maybe is in there as much as J.J. J. Watt is What has he got, two punt return touchdowns He's got 129 catches He had an unbelievable season Yeah. Um, and I like J.J. J. Watt And I'm probably arguing against him more so Because I want Aaron to get it But uh, yeah I, I don't know, I, I think It's hard for me to when When Lawrence Taylor won the MVP in 1986 They had one of the best defenses in the NFL And it was a defense that gave up three points In two home playoff games yeah. And he was the big reason for it This Houston team is dreadful on defense
1: Not in the playoffs Which is probably going to be the If if anything else, is probably going to be the deciding factor I mean, for him to yeah. not be on a great defense And not make the playoffs, it makes it hard for him to win it
0: In a division that has two uh, One 2-14 team And one 3-13 and 13 team I mean, mm-hmm. I want to know how many of those sacks are against Jacksonville and Tennessee Yeah, that's true but anyways, this is not about J.J. Watt. This is about Aaron Rodgers. He once again uh, added a great moment to his legacy. The last two Week 17s have taken him to a new strata of quarterback, I think. Uh, he was always really good, but now he's getting into those legendary moments, and Um, The Packers themselves right now are in a little bit of a legendary run. I know we haven't had the Super Bowl success or the championship success that Curly Lambeau's teams or Vince Lombardi's teams have had, but this is the fourth consecutive Packers division championship. It's the first time in franchise history they've ever done that, and they've been playing division play for 48 years now. And one thing that I wanted to bring up is the only other teams that have won four straight division championships right now are the Denver Broncos and the New England Patriots. And I took a quick look at the records of the teams in the division, um, that occupy, or that occupy the division with them. So in the Patriots case, this is looking at how the Jets, Dolphins, and Bills have done the last four years. And in uh, the AFC West, the Chargers, Raiders, Chiefs, obviously in the Packers, Division Lions, Bears, and Vikings. The NFC North, minus the Packers, over this consecutive division championship streak for the Packers, has a 46% winning percentage, and there have been four other 10-win teams in the divisions that the Packers have been champions of. The AFC East, only 42% winning percentage, no other 10-win teams, and six 10-loss teams, in the AFC East, so New England has really reigned over a pathetic division, while the Packers have been having the same level of division success over a very competitive division, and the AFC West a little bit better, one 10-win team being last year's Chiefs, uh, and then four 10-loss teams, which is the same as the NFC North has had, and uh, uh, only 42% winning percentage. So I kind of fumbled over all that, but basically the Packers have been doing something that only the Two other best teams in the NFL the last couple of years have been doing, and they've done it against much stiffer competition. So that's something um, not only unprecedented for the Packers, but uh, unprecedented in the league right now.
1: Well, yeah, there's always been a really strong team in the in the division other than them every year, if not two. So it's it's been really impressive for them to do that. I'm surprised the AFC West is that low, but I guess the Raiders bring down the curve a little bit.
0: And yeah, a lot of eights be, and eights uh, yeah. for the Chargers and stuff.
1: So, yeah, I mean, definitely really impressive. What can you say? I mean, you really, even when the Vikings have been down a little bit, they're not a team you can roll over. I mean, it's Mm -hmm. been a strong division. It's really, really impressive what they've done. To not lose it to Chicago or Detroit one of the last four years.
0: Yeah, and I guess I could have said this rather than break down all the stats, but such is my nature. The Packers... (laughs) Uh, the Packers have had to earn it. They haven't been gifted it almost like the Patriots have. And I know the Patriots are giving losses to all these teams, but you know their two victories over Buffalo should not make them be 6-10 and 10 every season. Right. And uh, the, the Packers, almost every year, have been seriously challenged by one of the other teams in the division. And uh, in the case of 2012, actually had two 10-win teams in the division that they were able to win. So the Packers... Have had an unbelievable run here, and they also tied the franchise record for consecutive postseason appearances with six, uh, tying the Holmgren years. So, man, it would be nice to cap off a run like this with another Super Bowl title. Because uh, I don't think there's a lot of people that expected the Holmgren Packers in 1999. I know he left, but with Brett Favre and a lot of that young core talent to just nose dive. So you never know how long that's going to last.
1: Right. Uh, ask
0: the ask the San Francisco 49ers that one after the, <laughs> after this season. Well, let's talk a little bit about the team as well here. Uh, now that the season is over, the Packers have a week off to recoup, which I think they're definitely going to need. But real quick, let's take a look at the season recap. The Packers finished the season as the highest scoring offense in the NFL with uh, 30.4 points per game. I didn't have a chance to look this up. I believe that's second best all-time uh, in Packers history behind the... um Behind the 2011 team, the 2009 team was close to that mark. Aaron Rodgers finished the season with 4,300 yards, 38 touchdowns, 5 interceptions. He actually lost the quarterback rating uh, title to Tony Romo in the last... uh, a couple weeks, but still very impressive. Eddie Lacy, 1,139 yards, which is less than last year, but a 4.6 yards per carry is a half yard better than he had last year, and he cracked the 1,500 yards from scrimmage mark. Randall Cobb, 91 catches, almost 1,300 yards, 12 touchdowns, really, really big season for him. Jordy Nelson, 98 catches, 1,519 yards, 13 touchdown catches. I... Was having a hard time trying to think of a more prolific quartet in Packers history. The only I could think of was maybe that 2014 with Favre, Walker, Driver, and Green. But even them, I don't think they had that kind of um, uh, receiving numbers. But uh, wow, this has been quite a show by these four guys this year. Yeah, incredible.
1: Um, and they pretty much had to shoulder the entire load, so it's a good thing that they've done it as, as well as they've done it because the rest of the numbers from everybody else are not really there at all so um, I mean these four guys despite not having a ton of depth have done a great job carrying the team putting them on their shoulders and making this offense as great as it's ever been so I mean what can you say all four of those guys just incredible years Jordy Nelson steps up huge this year and obviously Rodgers was was about as good as it gets so I, mm-hmm. I agree I think O four four was the one that came to my mind right away too but Amon I think is Tops, Lacey, but I think the other three are better in every category.
0: Yep, real quick, Favre just cracked 4,000 yards, 30 touchdowns, 17 interceptions. Still a really good year, but, you know, he is Favre, so he's going to throw a few picks, especially in his 30s. Uh, Amon Green had 1,163 yards, so almost exactly what Lacey had. Mm. Uh, Driver had over 1,200 yards and 84 catches, 9 touchdowns. Javon Walker, 89 catches, almost 1,400 yards and 12 touchdowns. So almost identical, but I would say the nod goes to our guys, like you said, in almost every category. Um, with that being said, we talked several times about being nervous about this team being too reliant on those guys, but I guess once you get into three big playmakers in addition to your all-star quarterback, I think you're okay. Yeah. Um And also, you had some guys, like, from time to time will step up. I know Devontae Adams has vanished from the face of the earth, but he still helped us win the Patriots game. And Richard Rodgers came huge
1: yesterday. Yes, big time. And I I think, really, this year, more than others, you could count that offensive line as a weapon, too, because they're just (laughs) helping everybody else out so much. And it's a strength that we haven't had to this level before either.
0: Yeah, for sure. Um, I think... Maybe going back to that old four oh three era, this is probably the best offensive line we've had uh, since then. That's for sure. On defense, um, Clay Matthews really had a resurrection year. Yeah. Finished with eleven sacks, had an interception, two forced fumbles, and then Julius Peppers with a nice debut: uh, seven sacks, four forced fumbles, and two pick sixes, which is very impressive for a thirty-four year old outside linebacker.
1: Mm-hmm. And I think with Clay's season too, I mean, you look at the numbers and they look good, but I think really he had a lot better season than those numbers would show you. I mean, he was as disruptive as he's ever been and, you know, I'd say probably, if not his best, probably his second best season with the Packers so far. He was just all over. Mm-hmm. He's just laying people out in the last few games. I mean, just crushing people in the backfield. He's played awesome.
0: Yeah, and I think Peppers has been as advertised. Um, He still is Julius Peppers, so he'll disappear at times on you. But I think for the most part, he was there in the big games when they needed him. And Mike Daniels proving last year was no fluke. This guy's the real deal.
1: Yeah, incredible.
0: Yeah, and and some nice uh, play also from Mike Neal, some of those other guys. Sam Barrington, yeah. Yeah, Barrington. Uh, I think HaHa kind of plateaued a little bit, but I still uh, expect some good things from him. And speaking of resurrection years, I think Morgan Burnett really kind of changed everybody's mind that he is not a liability back there. We started the season thinking Micah Hyde and Clinton Dix, uh, HaHa Clinton Dix, would be the two safeties potentially, and, and Morgan Burnett ended that speculation pretty fast and had a nice season.
1: Yeah, I've never been the biggest Burnett fan until this year, and he's definitely changed my opinion on him. I have nothing bad to say anymore, especially with the way he's played the last few weeks. Um I you can't really upgrade much past that. I don't think it's a need they have to look at in the future to address. He's played really,
0: really well. So now that we've analyzed quite a bit of the personnel, I guess thinking about the playoffs, do you want to just throw out real quick, uh, what do you think uh, is a strength that might surprise us? Uh, for example, having such a strong rushing game against the number one rush defense in the NFL last year, uh, so what's kind of a something that you – think could happen that would surprise us, but what's also a liability that you're very concerned about that might cost them the the season? Hmm.
1: Well, I think, obviously looking forward to that matchup potentially with Seattle, I really like what they did in the run game yesterday because I don't think you'll be able to throw against them. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, if you can do that against them, that's at least something that you can move the ball and potentially score with because that's obviously the matchup we're all dreading. Mm -hmm. So, I guess if you can do that against Detroit, I think you can do it against Seattle. So, um, if, if Lacey can run for four yards a carry and just feed him the ball. It's definitely going to help that. Mm-hmm. And um, man, I, I guess in terms of liabilities, I don't know. I mean, there's no gaping holes other than I think at this point. I know we got a special teams touchdown, but it still worries me. I mean, obviously the kicking game is a, is a problem right now with all the blocks, mm-hmm. and I don't trust the coverage team either. I mean, as you can see from the game yesterday, that's all the difference in the world. If if you give up a play like that, or if you give up a big kick return, you're I mean that sway's a game, so I'm I'm concerned about that against some of these teams with playmakers coming into the playoffs too. If I mean if you play Dallas, if they throw Des Bryant back there at punt return, can you stop the guy at all?
0: <laughs> yeah, that's a really good point. The special teams has been iffy all year. It's yesterday was kind of them in a nutshell though they have a couple of they have a game changing play that potentially won them the game, but then at the same time they had seven kicks blocked this year. I yeah. I don't know if I've ever seen seven. Oh, that's
1: gotta be a record. At least since like the 40s and 50s or something.
0: <laughs> yeah, one every other game. I mean, that's completely pathetic. I think that is, I think we'll be able to run on anybody at this point if they're willing to commit to it. I think that offensive line can even handle Seattle. I think they'll be able to handle Dallas. Um, still concerned a little bit about our run defense, but I think it's gotten better. I'm very concerned about this red zone offense. Yeah. Not, not being very efficient lately to the point where Aaron Rodgers, injured, having been carted off the field earlier in the game, thought that it was necessary for him to have to sneak the ball into the end zone. Uh, that, to me, says that he isn't quite sure what the problem was and wasn't willing to try to figure it out in such an important moment. Uh, still made the play work, but it certainly doesn't look like it did earlier in the season.
1: No, nothing seems to work when they get down there. It's been a problem for a long time now, and it just... They can't run it. I mean, you can. I know you really wanted them to run it, and I obviously did too yesterday in the short yardage, but they run it and it gets stuffed. They can't throw any. Nobody gets open. I mean, Rodgers is scrambling around with a hurt leg, and nobody's getting open for him. Maybe they need to design some new plays or something or just run it three straight plays every single time, but it's just kind of strange how nothing seems to work when they get inside that 5-10 yard line.
0: Yeah, I was telling you, and then I was saying on Twitter how they should just give it to Lacey, and then it gets stuffed on fourth and goal, so I look like an idiot, but... I still think they need to do it more than once. Uh, yeah, and, and I don't understand that play last year that they used a bunch where Lacy goes up over the top, where they just give it to him right up the gut. I don't understand why they're taking it to the outside. He's not that quick of a guy, and that offensive line... Um, you know, they've had trouble with kind of those stretch plays in the past, so why let the defense know exactly what side of the field they're going to? I'd rather say, hey, Lacey, pick a gap or go over the top, just yeah. have him come right up behind Aaron Rodgers um, into the goal line, and I would much favor that rather than spreading them out or trying. I don't understand why they ever tried John Kuhn. He's a cool guy. He somehow got to the Pro Bowl, I think because 80,000 people yell his name, but... They don't need to be giving John Kuhn the ball. It, it, that experiment was over. That was fun in 2010 when it used to work. 2010 is four years ago, guys. I mean, why don't you give it to William Henderson then while you're back there?
1: <laughs> I think that's a little harsh on Kuhn. I think he's like a pretty <laughs> good fullback. But I agree. I mean, everybody knows it's coming and I feel like McCarthy sometimes is swayed to do that at home or is swayed to do it at home because the whole crowd is chanting for it. even... Super obvious that it's probably not gonna work. He's like, "Ah, oh, hell, will give it to Kuhn once and he's <laughs> done here. So Yeah, yeah. That, that play stinks. It, it hardly ever works.
0: Yeah, so um, well hopefully they figure it out. They got two weeks. That buy is gonna be so valuable for this team. Um, we'll talk a little bit later about uh, our large, long scale uh, predictions for the Packers, but they had no chance without getting that buy yesterday.
1: Yeah, I completely agree. I mean you're going on the road then to Dallas, right? Yeah. On the road to Dallas and then you'd have to go to Seattle. I mean, there's no way you get through that.
0: <laughs> yeah, not a chance. And then likely would have played at Detroit in the NFC Championship game if you would have got the miracle, uh, two straight wins over Dallas and, uh, uh, and Seattle. So I don't think you would have beat Detroit in Detroit again. So. Well, speaking of Detroit, Indominican Sue was suspended for a game. It was, uh, broke later this afternoon that he will be suspended for what happened with Aaron Rodgers yesterday. Uh, seemed pretty unanimous that everybody thought he did it on purpose, although yeah. there's always people who, who will defend uh, players for things like that. But what were your thoughts on uh, what happened with this guy and, I guess, <laughs> what's left to say about this idiot?
1: Well I'm I'm super excited they gave him a game I didn't get a chance to listen to much Today but I didn't hear anything until just When I got home and um, I think That's really really big I, I was Kind of hoping he'd be out the playoffs I mean this guy's Just a clown I, clearly he did that on Purpose I, he keeps doing the same stuff he Knows he's doing it I mean it it's not like he's going and hitting somebody late or punching them or anything like that. I mean, it's that stuff's bad, but I can at least respect it. I mean, he's yeah. kicking people in the groin and stomping on people repeatedly. Yeah. And I, there's obviously no place for it. What else can you say that hasn't already been said about him? But I mean, he's just trash. I mean, yeah. he's a he's a bad guy, and um, I, I I don't think you can win on a, with a team like that. I mean, it's not just him; it's Ryola. If there's something about that team. I don't know if it's just Schwartz leftover kind of <laughs> yeah. whatever he worked them into doing. But, I mean, they just seem like, and I don't want to say everybody on the team, there's a lot of good guys on that team. Calvin Johnson's a class act. But mm-hmm. they just, I don't, I don't get what's going through your mind if, Sue, if you're Sue and you're stepping on a leg and you know it's there, you know you're on national TV, you're going to get caught, you're going to get suspended, but you do it anyways.
0: I think he just thinks he's the smartest guy in the world and that nobody's going to notice. Yeah. And... Yeah, I think you can make an argument that that first step was not intentional. But most people who aren't sociopaths, when they step on somebody, they turn around they're like, oh, sorry. They don't put their other foot on the person that they're stepping on and put their entire weight on it like they're Andre the Giant standing on Jake the (laughs) Snake. I mean, this guy's an idiot. And people like him make it hard to be sports fans in the long run because you just think about, at least I do, that he was probably a bully since he was a little kid. And those are the kind of people that are supposed to be weeded out by society and punished <laughs> for being an idiot, and instead he gets rewarded for it. And it's a shame that he has such genetic talent and that he has got an opportunity that thousands, millions of people would like to have, and he uses that opportunity to be just a jerk who tries to injure people and just do stupid stuff. I mean, most players are doing it the right way, but he's the kind of guy who you're just like, gosh, I wish sports weren't a thing so this idiot would have to work for $8 an hour the rest of his life. You
1: you just kind of wonder what's going through his head as the benefit. I mean, the only thing I can think of is to injure would be the only potential benefit to that because he's on a contract year. He does that at the end of the year. I wouldn't touch him if I'm a GM, and I think no. a lot of people will feel the same way. They don't want that on their team. He's, he's potentially one of the best defensive tackles in the league, but his whole aura is that he's a dirty player, not that he's a good player. Yeah. It's, it's all the things that he does. So I don't get what the potential benefits of doing that are, unless he wants to try to create this, you know, like 70s Raiders thing where he's the toughest guy on the field. But I don't think people think that anyways. They just think he's cheap.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And wouldn't you rather have Mike Daniels, who's, You know, he's still intense, and he's still tough, and he's maybe a slight step down, but he's not going to get you 15-yard penalties every other week. I mean, I think people have had enough of this guy, and I hope Jim Caldwell kind of cleans house on them, because you just saw him yesterday. That whole lack of discipline that seems to be somewhat left over from that Jim Schwartz thing cost him a bunch of plays yesterday. Yeah. I mean, if they would have been more disciplined, they could have made it a closer game than it already was. And, yeah, there's... I know football is tough, but you can be tough in the sense of like T.J. Lang. I was going back and watching some of the the game today, and uh, uh, I don't know if you remember, but Sue and Lang were in a yeah. pretty heated discussion. Well, it's because a couple plays after that, Lang comes off the blocks, just completely owns Sittin', clean as a, a whistle, just owns him, moves him off his spot pushes him way up the field and then because sue's an idiot he kind of shoves him about three yards after the fact right. and so that's why like yeah i owned you and by the way you're a pos too and so you know i'll, I'll do it between the whistles just so you know that i can do it if i want to i don't have mm-hmm. to stomp on you to make you realize that i'm imposing my will here right. um yeah i've had enough of this guy i'm so glad they suspended him um, I put it on Twitter and I'm kind of not that proud of it. I said the same thing to you, but I'm like, how does somebody not go high low on this guy at some point I and mean,
1: oh, I agree, I don't think that's anything to be ashamed of. I mean
0: <laughs> well you shouldn't it, it, root for injuries is what I'm saying, but yeah
1: well no, but it, I mean, if it weren't week seventeen going into a playoffs, I bet somebody would have done something i I don't think a lot of the players noticed it, and I don't know how much they talked about it on the sidelines. Obviously, it seemed like Lang might have known or the offense blind, but yeah Um, I mean, you would think, if I'm an NFL head coach and I'm not going into a playoff game, maybe if you're on a losing team more so, but you'd send somebody in there to maybe not take out his knees, but to at least crack back him or something and take him out. Not in an injury standpoint, but at least give him a good shot. uh,
0: Yeah, uh, exactly, because you don't want to be the guy who took out a guy, because then you're a marked man. Yeah, you're the same thing. Yeah, and then it never ends, but... Gosh, it would be hard for me if I'm on the ground and Sue's still standing up. I'm like, oops, I decide to keep rolling. Whoops, you know, something <laughs> innocuous like that. But right. certainly would not condone anybody doing that. But, gosh, I would I would love to somebody just get underneath him and pancake him about 40 yards through the air. That would be amazing.
1: We should have had Brad, jo- Brad Jones on that duty yesterday to get him suspended a game, too.
0: Yeah, I I don't think Brad Jones would fare well in a one-on-one competition.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, probably not. <laughs> he
0: he has a hard enough time tackling wide receivers. I don't think he's gonna do anything to a dominican suit. <laughs> Okay, so the Packers are moving on. They will await the highest remaining seed. It is likely going to be the Dallas Cowboys, but there's a real fun scenario where Detroit could beat Dallas, and then Detroit could go on to Seattle and maybe beat them 9-7 to or something like that. And then the Packers would get to play the winner of that vaunted Cardinals at Carolina Panthers playoff game. And uh I, I heard two people discussing that playoff game in the grocery store today, and they, <laughs> this one guy was saying, oh man, I just... I just don't understand why the Cardinals have to go to them. That just doesn't seem fair. They have more wins. I'm like, ah, oh, you gotta, you gotta pay closer attention, pal. Yeah. But, um, I guess real simple question: How far do you think this Packer team can go, and how far do you think they will go?
1: Well, they can win a Super Bowl. I, I wouldn't be surprised if they did. But I think, looking at it right now, it looks like it's going to end in the NFC Championship game. Yeah, I guess you kind of have to hope that somebody takes out Seattle, but when you look at it, you're assuming at this point that you're probably going to have Dallas come to Lambeau, and that's going to be a tough enough game in itself. Mm-hmm. But not only is that the case, but that means either Arizona or Carolina goes to Seattle. <laughs> so <laughs> it doesn't seem likely that somebody takes them out before you get to them. So you get Dallas in your place, where they, they've been better on the road this year than, than at home, and then you go to the toughest place in the league to win. So, not impossible, but it's a really tough road for only playing two games.
0: Yeah, I agree with everything you said there. I, I think Dallas is scary. I don't think that's an easy victory. The way the Packers play at Lambeau, though, I you got to think they they would be favored, and I still yeah. would expect them to win that game. But Seattle has given up three touchdowns in the last six weeks. Wow. They are on fire right now. Um, granted, the quarterbacks they've played is Colin Kaepernick, Ka- Kaepernick twice, They've played Drew Stanton, Sean Hill, Ryan Lindley, Mark Sanchez. I mean, they've played some scrubs. That's pretty bad. Yeah, they've played some scrubs. So I think Aaron Rodgers is a different story. And I said to you yesterday that if the Carolina Panthers won the Super Bowl, I would no longer watch pro football. I just couldn't take it anymore. And I still sort of stand by that. But Carolina going to... The way their defense is playing, them going up to Quest Field, they certainly got a chance. I mean, I wouldn't expect them to win by any means, but they've played the last two years and Carolina has lost 12 to 7 and 13 to 9 on like last second touchdowns. So if, if they get a, a weird bounce, they could certainly pull it out. And as much as Seattle's defense has played great, that offense has still been terrible. I mean, yeah. the last couple of weeks, I mean, Teams that have no ability To do anything offensively and you're still scoring 20 Points at home against the Rams I mean give me A break
1: but, Yeah, I mean yeah. maybe a team like that is is Potentially the better matchup than a team like the Packers To, to maybe take them out like Arizona or Carolina because the defense can hang With that offense and shut them down A little bit if you can just put up a couple of touchdowns You've got a pretty good shot so I mean Even Arizona going in there you would think they have a Chance I mean it, it doesn't look good But if they get stand back they maybe have more of a Puncher's chance
0: yeah, here's a question for you. If they beat Dallas, and then they beat Carolina, would you be satisfied with that Super Bowl without having to beat Seattle? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> Just because I'm so certain at this point that they would not win in Seattle. I mean, obviously it would make the Super Bowl way sweeter if you go through Dallas into Seattle and win, and then beat whoever, New England or whatever. Mm-hmm. But... But to me, at this point, I'm like 90% sure they wouldn't win in Seattle. They match up so bad against that team, and yeah. even at the poor versions of that team, like Buffalo and Detroit, they don't match up well against. So if you go against the actual real thing there, I just, I just don't see it at this point.
0: Mm-hmm. I would agree. It's not like '96 where you're, I, I still,
1: you're all fired up and you're like, yeah, we can take Dallas down. Yeah. I just have no confidence
0: going into Seattle and winning. Yeah, you'd probably get your clock cleaned in Seattle. But I hope they get the chance to get their clock clean. I mean. This Rogers McCarthy thing, just for their own legacy, could really use another NFC Championship game appearance. Yep. Cause they've only had one, and you know, you never know. It's, it's. I think I said that last week, or I don't know. I say a lot of things, so I don't remember who I said them to or in what forum. But it's reminds me of that '90s Packers mentality down in Dallas, where absolutely they could have beat Dallas in Dallas, but the margin for error is so small. Right. But you got to think, you know, if they get enough chances, they'd eventually. Get a chance to beat them, I think <laughs> But uh, Speaking of People that they could never beat Jim Harbaugh is no longer the head coach Of the San Francisco 49ers um, Before we talk about the coaching changes Is that Stick in your craw a little bit That we never, never got a chance to beat Harbaugh Before he left the NFL?
1: Yeah, I mean maybe a little bit I, But I, again with the Seattle thing I, It's just like they had our numbers So bad that <laughs> I mean, you could maybe beat them, you know, next year or something like that, the year after. But I don't think they're that same team that they were then either. When they kept stomping you, they were just better than you and they matched up better than you. I guess it doesn't hurt me too much because it was it was so obvious it's that they were better than you. Um, So I guess no, it really doesn't. And we will (laughs) we'll get to continue to feel that probably now that he's in the Big Ten. Not that they play Michigan every year, but they're going to be a powerhouse, I bet now.
0: Yeah, but I would love to get Michigan this year at Camp Randall when they still got all those small bodies on that team and we can yeah. just stuff it down their throats. I mean, that would be so satisfying.
1: That would feel good.
0: I think They probably of, don't
1: have Michigan on the schedule, though, do they?
0: Uh, they got to have them again soon. I, I don't know their schedule offhand, but they haven't played Michigan since 2010, I don't think, okay. um, which was a great game. That was one where... The Badgers were up by three at halftime, and then in the second half they had 25 plays and 24 were runs. And they ran for like 300 yards and just blew away one of those crappy Rich Rodriguez teams. So I always remember that game, just total domination at the line of scrimmage. So not sad to see Harbaugh go at all. It'll be interesting to see what happens at Michigan I'm not a Badger fan like I am a Packer fan, so the prospect of Jim Harbaugh versus Urban Meyer every year actually makes me yeah, quite excited. Yeah, should be good. <laughs> yeah, that should be fun. Renew that rivalry. The Big Ten needs that rivalry to mean something, I think.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, obviously Wisconsin's been around, but the Big Ten really needs Ohio State and Michigan because I think they're really the only two teams in the conference that could recruit, like some of the Southern teams. So mm-hmm. if you, they're really your only chance at having a consistent national powerhouse
0: team. Yeah, absolutely. You need those teams, and then if you're, you know, think of the, the SEC, if you have Alabama and then you have LSU, then maybe you can become Georgia, or you can become Auburn, and I think mm-hmm. the, the, the Badgers need that, where you say, hey, you can come play for us, we play your style of play, and you'll get some big marquee opponents to take on. Yeah. The other coaching changes not so excited about. Mark Trussman and almost the entire Bears front office is leaving. you got to think that Jay Cutler is probably leaving, so I hate to see that team get back on board. Uh, It'll probably be a rocky go-around, but um, they're leaving. Mike Smith has been fired in Atlanta, a little bit of a surprise to me at least, and then Rex Ryan, no surprise, has been dismissed. I wanted to check real quick if anybody else had been fired, but it doesn't look that Not yet, I don't think. Yeah, I think you got to think somebody else in Oakland other than Tony Sperano. Um, and then Lovey Smith, I guess, maybe there's a chance that he could go somewhere. But I guess, what is the biggest shocker, and uh, which one would you not have done were you in a uh, position of power?
1: Well, I wouldn't have got rid of Harbaugh if I was in a position of power, but I yeah. also haven't had to deal with the guy for the last four years, so that might have changed my
0: mind. Yeah, how um, bad could he have been to, I mean... Yeah. Maybe I mean they... Even
1: when he was a player, though, I mean, everybody kind of thought he was a jerk, right? So I guess yeah. it's not that surprising.
0: Yeah, he bounced around a lot as a player, too.
1: So um, I guess that's obviously the one. He was a winner, and he turned that team from nothing into something, and he yeah. did the same thing at Stanford. He's clearly a good coach. Yeah. Um, so I guess, it, barring any personal differences, you do whatever you can to keep him around. I guess Mike Smith surprised me a little bit. I didn't really even think about it too much until this morning when I heard uh, Schefter on SportsCenter say he was definitely gone, and I was like, I guess, yeah, you lost that last game and you're out of the playoffs and you had two bad seasons in a row. But, I mean, he had just had him in the NFC Championship game a few years ago. And yeah. I I don't think they put a really good team around Matt Ryan for him to work with there, especially defensively. So mm-hmm. it's uh, that's a little bit of a rough one.
0: Yeah, I think um, that one is what I said about Rex Ryan about two years ago. And now they've been proven right that they probably could have gotten rid of Rex Ryan. But you're the Falcons, You are not the 49ers or the Packers or the Dallas Cowboys. You are the Atlanta Falcons. Until Mike Smith got there, you had never had consecutive winning seasons in your entire franchise history. You have four playoff appearances since 2008 when Mike Smith was there. Prior to that, from 1966 to 2007, you had eight playoff appearances in that entire 40-year period. So... I think that some of these guys got to watch the trigger finger with these coaching changes. It's one thing if you said that's not good enough here in Dallas. To say that's not good enough because we're the mighty New York Jets or we're the Atlanta Falcons, give me a break. I mean, these teams have not been relevant for years. They've been running through that cycle. And look at what has happened to teams like the Cincinnati Bengals and now the Dallas Cowboys who could have gotten rid of coaches and said, you know what, no, we're just going to let this guy do his thing and we're going to find out what happens. And now they're reaping the rewards for that big time. Um, You've got to wonder what you're thinking when you're a franchise like the Atlanta Falcons getting rid of a guy like Mike Smith after two bad seasons.
1: Yeah, I completely agree. I mean, obviously the teams that are doing it are doing it with stability, and these teams just keep rotating over and over again. I mean, you knew he, you had a guy who brought success to you. Uh, he clearly, um, from what I heard, got along with the owner really well, and he was really sad to have to let him go. It's like, well, don't then. You don't have to do it. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. It's just because he had a losing season, you don't have to fire your coach. So, yeah, I, I agree with you. I think they should have kept him around a little bit, too. I'm sure he'll land on his feet somewhere, but, um, yeah, we'll see what happens to that team, too.
0: Yeah, I was going to say that these retread coaches who just came from a bad situation haven't been that successful, but then John Fox is crushing it in Denver, so. Yeah. Um, but then Lovey Smith's pretty awful, and, um, I guess Jeff Fisher never really crushed it in Tennessee. He's playing the exact same football in the Rams that he did in Tennessee. We're, we're going to be seven and nine every single year until the end of time. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so very strange. I'll be curious to see what else happens. Doug Maroney was on this list. Of people who are maybe still on the hot seat And that is another one That are you kidding me This is the first winning season The Bills have had in 10 years And you're well, going to fire this guy
1: What What I heard about Doug Marone was that Marone, He was actually not and this could be different than from what you're looking at, but I heard he wasn't on the hot seat, but that he has a three-day clause in his contract that he can walk. Oh. So he could potentially leave without any consequences and take a different job. He uh, Apparently everybody loves him and thinks he's a great coach and has okay. done great things there with Kyle Orton as a starting quarterback. So I think it's more of a, a thing that he could leave and take one of these other jobs like San Francisco if he likes them more.
0: Okay, I see. That makes more sense. So maybe they got rid of Doug Maroney, but Doug Maroney... <laughs> yeah, yeah, Maroney
1: is gone. He got fired. but
0: <laughs> Okay, he's history. Yep. Uh, apparently, according to NFL.com, this is article's a few hours old, which, with this kind of news, is quite old. But Tom Coughlin is safe, I guess. He, oh, would, yeah, I forgot about that one. <laughs> you would have to think he's safe for life now after winning two Super Bowls. Um, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, maybe. I mean, had they kept
1: losing this year, I, I bet he would have been out. But they finished pretty well. I, I think maybe with you get Victor Cruz back next year, put a couple pieces around him. I mean, they could be pretty good again.
0: Yeah, I forgot they're going to get Victor Cruz back. They could have a decent offense. Yeah, they still yeah. got Eli lobbing to the other team quite a bit. But uh, Joe Philbin is supposedly safe. Um, gosh, to get just destroyed at home by the Jets for the second straight year in the season yeah, that's finale. That's rough. Yeah, that team just completely fell apart. What would you do with Philbin if, I, I know I just made a rant about remembering who you are, uh, and the Dolphins are not the Dolphins anymore. I mean, if this was 2002 and you've had that kind of success, um, lack of success, you could get rid of them, but the Dolphins haven't been relevant in 10 years.
1: I, I, th- I thought he did a good job this year until the very end. They just imploded, and especially, I think they announced he was safe before that game yesterday, and I wonder if they maybe would have changed their mind about it. <laughs> I I think this might be kind of more of a GM issue, too, though. I mean, you look at that team, and they're just not that talented, and their quarterback's not that good. Their defense is pretty solid, but they have, like, no offensive weapons. Lamar Miller's a decent running back, but what else do you have? So yeah. I I don't know what you can really do with an offense like that, <laughs> really. I mean, you, you work with what you got. He's an offensive coach, and he doesn't have much to go with.
0: So you're maybe giving more credit to Philbin than, than I am because... I guess I don't know the talent level of that team all, all that well, but they crushed New England week one. They took the Packers to the brink. They had Denver dead to rights before they gave it away. So whose fault is that? Is that a lack of talent succumbing in the fourth quarter? Is that coaching getting cold feet and blowing it in the end, I guess? Um, yeah. That's for them to decide, but I, I don't know if I know the answer to that. From well, me. name one receiver
1: on their team besides Mike
0: Wallace. um, um. Do they have Brian Hartline? Maybe they do
1: have Brian Hartline. Nice work.
0: Oh, not, well, I had him on Madden one time when I was the Bills. So,
1: but honestly, Brian Hartline's <laughs> a good receiver, but you could find a hundred of them out there too. So
0: yeah, yeah. I mean, sure. I don't,
1: I'm not a big Tannehill fan either. I just don't think he's a very good quarterback. So I, I, I guess I will blame it on the GM, but I don't know. I, I, yeah. I guess it's it's so hard to tell how, what a coach is and isn't doing too, when you're not locally watching that team.
0: Yeah, I mean. Because Tannehill, if you had asked me in November, I would have thought he turned the corner and that he was starting yeah. to get to the point where you could make an argument that he was as good as guys like Andy Dalton and maybe even better, but then he just completely fell apart at the end of the year. So, um, yeah, so whose fault is that, that they were so good at one point? Is that the coach or is that, you know, the players? I don't know. That's some tough questions for the Dolphins. They're one of many teams that seems to be kind of stuck right at that sort of 8-8 and level the Chargers are there right now too like what do you do if you're San Diego it's kind of a strange uh, situation to be in and I would say follow the Bengals model until it falls apart like the Jets did (laughs) that would be my recommendation stay stick with it until it's very clear that Mm -hmm. it's not working okay so let's get to the wild card picks we got four games. ESPN starts. It gets its first ever playoff game. And as I correctly predicted early yesterday that ESPN, welcome to the table. Here is Cardinals with their third string quarterback <laughs> against the seven, eight and one Carolina Panthers. Yeah. Who do you like in that game?
1: <sighs> I I've been struggling with this one all day here. I I just can't get out of my mind the Panthers I saw earlier in the season and I guess maybe the Cardinals I saw earlier in the season too. Um, There's just something about this Cardinals team that I like, and if Stanton starts, which I think he's expected to, man, if Lindley plays, I wouldn't pick him, but I think Stanton might play. So there's just something about the Cardinals I like. I'll I'll take them on the road here against the, the losing record Carolina Panthers.
0: Yeah, I don't think it matters who plays. I think that Carolina defense is playing pretty well, and similar to how Seattle was in 2010, well, I don't know. They might not have that great of fans down in Carolina. But you get a little shot in the arm, I think, when you get a playoff spot you didn't deserve. Yeah. Uh, now, granted, that didn't help the Packers at all last year, but they were playing against a pretty good team. And I think Arizona is just, they're held together with duct tape right now. And I, I think they just don't have what it takes right now. And I almost hope Carolina beats them because they don't have, you know, a snowball's chance in hell of beating... The Seattle Seahawks do the Arizona Cardinals, so I want Carolina to go because they got a puncher's chance, like you said before.
1: Okay.
0: And oh my gosh, I was just looking at Carolina's season right now. Here, their defense got all the way up to tenth in yards, but was still twenty fourth in points, though, so not all that impressive. But they started two and zero, and then before they blew out the Saints in the Superdome, had one win in what is that? Nine games. I mean, ugh. You can't win a Super Bowl. If they win the Super Bowl, I'm, I swear, I'm done. Because You can't have a seven-game winless streak in the middle of the season and win the Super Bowl That when the season is 16 <laughs> games long. Yeah. That would be like an M- MLB team winning the World Series when they lost 75 games in a row in the middle of the season. <laughs> you can't have that. Okay, and then the late-night game, I believe, is the Bengals, or no, the Ravens at the Steelers is the night game on uh, NBC. Who do you like in that one?
1: I'll take the Steelers. I and it looks like Le'Veon Bell's going to, or it looks like he's going to miss the game. But he he would be able to return, I think, if if they got any further than that. I just oh, think good. they're a lot better team. I don't I don't like Baltimore's offense very much, and I, I Pittsburgh's obviously like the best in the NFL right now this year. So mm-hmm. um, I guess uh, I'll, I guess I'll take the Steelers.
0: I'm going to take the Steelers as well. That that offense is playing very very well. Um, what do you think about the playoff rivalries? I used to always cheer for new playoff matchups that we've never seen before, but you get kind of, uh, at this point, the Ravens and Steelers are getting a, kind of yeah. a Dolphins-Bills vibe, and I sort of like it. <laughs> yeah,
1: I, I like watching these games. It doesn't have really the same um, kind of vibe to me now that, like, Ray Lewis is retired Ed Reed's gone. A lot of those Ravens are gone, but it's still the same, and you know it's going to be really heated when they play. So it, good, good hard-hitting matchup, and it'll be good old-school football, I think.
0: Yeah, yeah, I think that'll be fun. Less fun, Bengals at Colts, <laughs> a rematch of a 27 to nothing ball game earlier in the year, and Andy Dalton looks every bit as bad as he's looked going into the previous playoff years.
1: Yeah, I don't like either of these teams right now, so it's hard to choose one. Really, I I think the Colts. I want to pick him because I like watching luck and I, I can't stand Andy Dalton, but I just think that he's the only thing on that team right now. I mean, T.Y. Hilton's banged up, they can't run, their defense stinks, Reggie Wayne's old. They just, they don't have anything besides him, I feel, and I think although Andy Dalton's not a very good quarterback, they at least have A.J. Green and Jeremy Hill and a decent defense and some good defensive players to go along with it, so I guess, I guess I'll take Cincinnati. I think the Colts are just a little depleted.
0: Yeah, I think you're right. This is so hard, because I don't think either of these teams are very good at all. No, I, I don't either. I think the Colts, if they were in any other division, they had to have gone 6-0 and in that division this year, and so if they were in any other division, they would be 8-8 and or something. They don't have much, and I don't understand how the Bengals win games, because every time I watch them, they lose and look awful, and then they go off in the regional Noon games for three weeks And win all of them So Yeah um, I would love to see them Versus the Saints In the Superdome And see just how they Won that game Yeah <laughs> But uh, You know what I'm going to go with Cincinnati too I think they're due for one And, uh, and If Andy uh, If Andrew Luck doesn't play that great, then this team's dead. Uh, I don't think you're going to be able to fall way behind every year and come back in the playoffs. So I, I'm actually uh, I'm going to agree with you and take the Bengals here. Okay. And then the Lions at the Cowboys, which uh, should be a pretty hard-hitting game.
1: You know, I think this one could get uh, to blowout status for the Cowboys. I think. It's, I mean, especially Detroit has looked pretty bad offensively the last few weeks the defense is good but i mean you're missing sue now mm-hmm. the cowboys run all over people that offensive line is a monster so i just think they're really talented i think detroit's not that good i don't think they're as good as their record and they're missing one of their biggest pieces defensively if not the biggest piece so mm-hmm. i think that they uh they run all over and they throw all over the detroit lines and win big
0: I-, I agree with you again i i you know, Stafford now 0-16 all-time on the road against teams with winning records. That's
1: crazy. I couldn't believe it when they said that stat yesterday. I didn't know that.
0: Yeah, I didn't either, and that's just horrible. What the hell happened to him? I mean, what in 2011, he had 41 touchdowns and 16 picks, had a million yards passing, and he couldn't hit the broadside of a barn yesterday. He was misreading guys. When guys were open, he was overthrowing them. I just, I don't know. I mean, they talk about Jay Cutler being an easy decision to get rid of him, but I wonder where this team would be without Matt Stafford right now if if they had somebody else.
1: Yeah, and, and we've talked about this before, but he seemed to have just lost his accuracy. It's not just a recent thing in their struggles the last few weeks. It's been the last couple of years you watch him and he looks like a different guy. Mm-hmm. And it, It's hard to pinpoint how a quarterback would lose their accuracy like that, unless maybe he doesn't feel confident in his offensive line or his receivers.
0: Yeah, and I don't know how you could not be confident in Calvin Johnson. He's the easiest receiver to throw to in the history of the NFL, I would think. Mm -hmm. He doesn't even take shots in Johnson's direction anymore. And yesterday, Johnson had double coverage beat, and he overthrew him. Uh, So I don't know what his deal is, but whatever it is, it's not going to be very successful down in Dallas. And I I think the Cowboys are going to whoop him. At the risk of using a cliche, because I hate using clichés uh, especially this time of year you hear the same ones over and over but Dallas appears to be peaking at the right time uh, ooh yeah yeah but <laughs> I, I hate that i hate whenever you hear like yesterday they were going on and on about how jason garrett thought that they coached the team so poorly in 2007 when they went to washington and got murdered and then they lost to the giants in the first playoff game and every year you just hear about oh man you got to you got to play your guys and you got to be hot going into the playoffs and The Ravens lost every game they played in December, practically. Yeah, they looked terrible. And the the two, do you remember in 2009 when they always talk about you can't rest your guys, it's a death sentence, both the Saints and Colts rested their guys for the last three weeks of the season and both ended up in the Super Bowl. So there's no right answer to any of that stuff. and It's just nauseating to hear all those cliches. Constantly repeated uh this couple of weeks of the season. So, but we'll see. Maybe, uh maybe Dallas is the team that's going to be coming out of the wild card round and potentially winning a Super Bowl. I hope not because that would take them right through Lambeau Field. All right. Um, so I guess we get a little bit of a nice break here. And I got to tell you, Matt, I'm looking forward to a round of playoff football that does not include the Green Bay Packers. Yes, but, but they're not eliminated, so it's it'll be nice.
1: <laughs> yeah. And you get to watch four really good games hopefully without having to stress out this weekend and just relax and and like you mentioned earlier in the show it kind of hit me yesterday it's it's holy cow you're two wins away from a super bowl Mm -hmm. and we haven't had that feeling recently after uh just losing right away in the playoffs it seems like it's such a long and daunting road and it's still going to be but you're so close let's just uh but enjoy this weekend and and hope that you potentially get to see Arizona or Carolina
0: yeah absolutely and I was going to let it end there, but I can't because I'm a a blowhard, but one of the things I always think of on the sort of downer end, I I remember thinking of this the last play of Super Bowl 45. that was, I hope they stop them on this play, but if they do, I'll never see this team play another meaningful down again, and going this way, I certainly hope this team goes on to a Super Bowl, but I think no matter what happens, we all as fans have to try our best to cherish what happens, because I think that this has been a really fun team to cheer for. And you have guys like Randall Cobb and and Tremont Williams where you don't know what's going to happen with them. And best case scenario, this Packer team only plays three more times ever again. Mm. And so uh, let's hope they get to play all three games, but uh, let's enjoy it for what it is because it has the potential to be real fun. Okay, so Matt, I don't have anything else to add. Uh, once again, I did not tally our picks despite being off <laughs> all day today. You promised. I did promise, but, uh, you know, I'm not... I'm not above breaking promises. I think, should we just leave it in the dark and then we can crown the winner during the Goldies?
1: Sure, yeah, we can do that.
0: Okay, let's do that. And then uh, we're not going to gain any ground because we picked the same, uh, would you pick the Cardinals or the Panthers? I...
1: Oh, in the playoff game, I picked I pick the Cardinals, you picked the Panthers.
0: Okay, so we have at least one where we can move uh, on the standings a little bit. But uh, Steelers, Bengals, Cowboys, all three of us had. So we'll uh, tally it up at the end of the season and uh, we'll enjoy this weekend. Uh relaxing weekend, the Packers will get healthy, all of us fans will have a chance to recharge our batteries and watch some very, very important meaningful football. So for Matt and Altoona, I am Eric in Oshkosh. Uh, don't forget to interact with us on the Facebook page, Green and Gold Forever podcast on Facebook. You can watch me lose my mind when Aaron Rodgers gets hurt on Twitter at Green Gold Forever. And I will not be on KZ Radio this week for the Green and Gold Forever preview, but they still are going to have rock and tunes of the 80s and 90s all week long. So I would suggest still tuning in. And, uh, that's 92.9 in Appleton and the Fox cities, 104.3 uh in Green Bay or anywhere in the world at my KZ Radio. It's almost like Spotify playing all the old hits, but uh you know, you get to listen to some uh, local personalities as well. What that sounds like the best, doesn't it? i do it. I feel like I just had to explain the whole concept of radio <laughs> to people here, but yeah, uh give that a listen. So um, we're gonna end the show now. The Packers once again are the two thousand fourteen NFC North Division champions, and that's pretty sweet, so Uh, Enjoy it, and uh, we'll hit you up in a week or so. Take care, everyone.